Express presents this program in color. Listeners, you are listening to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are three friends who talk about a horror movie, which we will spoil. More than more than uh, a horror movie this time, I'm sure. Uh, which we will spoil. And recently watched, which we will make feeble attempts to not spoil. We thank the Moonrays for giving us that song intro creature features at the top of the show. You can find the music on Apple Music or Amazon, where you can buy it digitally, and say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon Dash Rays. And guys, we're not as of since last show. We're still not professional critics. No, 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 hasn't changed. No, all right. Well, I'm Richard. I'm here with Jolian and Will. Hello. Hello, indeed. Was that del- my cue? A delayed response. People are going to think, oh, they, they probably Skype it in. I'm just standoff. <laughs> That's right. We don't Skype. We're in Stupid the same room. No, we're, we're, in, uh, we're in the spare room in a mid-mod house at the top of a hill in Denver. And it's a lovely day. It is a lovely day. Don't move here. <laughs> it's going to rain. Um, it's going to rain frogs. Yeah. And blood. Guys, I am not going to uh, Emerald City Comic Con. No, no, I'm not because they've closed down Seattle. They they've uh, closed shut down the whole state of yeah. Washington. They closed the gates. Only Snake Plissken can get in. He'll, he'll use a hang glider. Mm-hmm. I don't know what building he would choose. I mean, the Space Needle's the obvious choice. Yeah, a bit ouchy. Yeah, it's pointy and it turns. Could, could end really suddenly. And there's a restaurant. Much too early in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> it would be terrible. I could suggest other buildings, but then, you know, who cares at that point? Um, You know, it's weird. Like, it was getting closer and closer to the event. And I'm thinking, oh, you stubborn bastards, are you not going to cancel this? And I was, I really didn't want to miss the event and miss the opportunities. But I have a feeling it would have been a ghost town. Probably. Yeah. So, um... At the risk of um, a lot of uh, paper flipping sounds, got something for you. Oh boy! Here's a couple copies each of oh, our man. our coloring book is finally ready. It's beautiful, beautiful. Ten years in the making. <laughs> it feels like it, doesn't it? Uh, so. Oh, I found a typo. No, <laughs> I found a typo. Oh. And it was a it was a really good thing that. Um, the machine that our printers use that that's smart I'm put, I, I would make air quotes around that uh, it wants to find the center of of a double spread page and then shift to that center mm. so it had thrown some stuff off by a significant amount so I went oh I better go through and figure out how to fix this and then uh, I thought no their machine did this um, so when I was doing that I noticed that 
I had left the E out of forward in Dana Gould's forward to the coloring oh, book. Oh, man. I looked right at it and went, how did I not see this on my screen? But here it is in print. So I fixed that and uh, resaved the files. It is, it is so easy oh, yeah. to miss typos. Absolutely. So, Yay, you got the, the, uh, the, connect, the, dots. the connect the dots done. Yeah, so there's um, an activities section for listeners who don't know. Um, I started thinking about this with this. <laughs> I like the watch the skies one. It's like yeah, it's, it's a cloud. It's it's a cloud with a, <laughs> a flying saucer. With a single flying saucer. <laughs> yeah. I'll get out your black pencils for the space one as well. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking, you know, if we could buy bulk black crayons. <laughs> That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, if we can corner the market. Yeah. We just give them all a black crayon. Uh, That's why I filled the black areas of mine in. Do you guys remember the art supply store when we would make oversized art supplies and hang them above the sections of the store? Yeah. I already started working on a label for an oversized crayon. (laughs) And on the label, instead of Crayola or Crayon, it says Plant 9 coloring book. I don't remember seeing that one, the Bobcat one. Oh, yeah, you wouldn't have seen that one, I guess. Um, yeah, that's one of the grave diggers, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So we got, um, yeah, we got, uh, I think it totals 40-ish pages of actual content. And you left off the numbers. Uh, deliberately. Yeah. And 25 pages of ads. Yeah. <laughs> for marijuana dispensaries. Yeah. <laughs> you know, considering the material, maybe they should have been more typos and... Oh, maybe. Yeah, that would have been good. Like a, a, like that that whole join the dots thing would be just completely messed up. <laughs> That's yeah. right. It would be in the wrong order. Um, the the print that this machine does on black and white is gorgeous. Yeah. The saturation is just yeah, vivid. it's so solid. Yeah, and the cover looks lovely too. Uh huh. So um, yeah, we're gonna have this available on. Uh, Plan9coloringbook.com. It's not actually live right now, but hopefully it will be in a couple days. We had a couple things to sort out, but Plan9coloringbook.com, which is going to just click through to my Etsy shop, which is Screen Monsters. Um, so if worst case scenario, and I'm going to say worst case scenario, is, <laughs> is that there's something I can't get right with the website, just go to the Etsy and you'll be able to buy it. And we'll keep shipping actual shipping. So there's no need to... Um, well, unless the next con I'm going to is cancelled, I'll, I'll get a box of these. And... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So we got... Uh, yeah, it's it's done printing. They just have to do the booklet making on the rest of the run. And uh, a booklet making machine is really cool. Yes. I, 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 I remember the, the earlier versions of them that I used, and they weren't this great. <laughs> Should we uh, offer some autographed copies if people want I think you know what we should do. We're do we have the um, the convention happening here in September, unless it gets canceled. Because I you know and I and I don't mean to sound you know flip about all of this, but there's a lot that could happen because of this virus. I think it's going away in April. I'm told miraculously. I'm told miraculously, it'll mirac- disappear. Yes, yes, it'll just flutter away. You know, <laughs> there's a lot we could say about that. <laughs> Uh, just keep hitting your head with a mallet until the red hat fits (laughs) i guess oh fuck i don't know what to say um 
So we're going to talk about made-for-TV movies, but first, you guys have recently watched? Uh, I've got a couple. Go ahead. Uh, we watched Better Call Saul, season five, one through three. Yeah? Fantastic. Have you watched this season yet? Uh, I'm not sure which season I'm on to. It's the latest one. How, when did it come out? Just months uh, ago? Three weeks ago. Have not watched it. Okay. So, yeah. I think I had like a few left from the previous season. Oh, okay. Yeah. Isn't it great to see Mike back? It is. Yeah. And this latest season's great because they're, they're so close to the start of Breaking Bad. Ooh. You're getting characters and yeah. little stories that you you had from like the first little bit of Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. It's kind of kind of neat. Uh, and then we watched Trying to Find TV Movies. These came up on Amazon Prime when you punched in TV movies, but they weren't. But I'll tell you about them anyway. <laughs> sure. Uh, we watched The Evil from 1978. The Evil. The Evil. The Evil. Yeah, not a evil or hmm. just evil. <laughs> uh, it's about a house that's haunted. Oh, okay. Yeah. Some people go to hell at the end. Oh. It, it was all right. Were, uh, did they deserve it? Uh, I don't think anyone deserved it. And I believe this was an, a, a video nasty well, a lot of things were. Yeah. Just and was, I think it's because of a saw to the hand incident. Oh. Uh, I would guess. That uh, was the only really gory part. Um, and then we watched another one, uh, Daughters of Satan. Mm. And it's a 1972 Philippine movie uh-huh. uh, starring uh, Tom Selleck. Tom 1972, Selleck. he looks exactly like he did in 1982 or 1992 <laughs> or probably 2002. Oh, okay. So he... It, it's only in the last five or ten years that he showed his age. That he showed. And also, I believe the man must have a horribly deformed upper lip because he's always had a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> what is he hiding? Uh, fangs? I don't know. Maybe. He's a fucking heard... vampire. That's why he doesn't Ooh, age. That's true. I heard he was going to be Indiana Jones. He was he was offered that part uh, when Indiana Jones was being cast, and I wondered would he have played the part with a mustache? That's a good question. A very night not nineteen forties mustache, or he would have nineteen thirties. He would have done what Caesar Romero did in the original Batman mm. series, <laughs> just grease paint over it. Man, I don't think I ever noticed that as a kid. Oh, really? Yeah, you probably didn't because TV screens weren't very good. Yeah, they were 72 lines per inch and small. In fact, I'm not sure that I noticed it until I saw the movie, the Batman 66 movie. Mm. And I think that was probably higher resolution. It probably was shot on film. Yeah. Well, it was all probably shot on film. but Yeah, I imagine it was all shot on film, but, you know. Mm. My favorite scene, I think, is everyone's favorite scene, is when he has that big cartoonish bomb. And he's riding around with it? Yeah, he, he wants to discard it, but everywhere he turns, it's, you know, a group of school children or nuns or... <laughs> I like when he... Ducklings or whatever. ...gets the shark on his leg. Oh, and yeah. And uses the shark repellent. Yes. The bat shark repellent. Yes. <laughs> Batman. Glad I brought that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got that utility belt. What doesn't he have in there? Car keys. Condom. His ID. Condoms. <laughs> <laughs> His ID. Raisinets. Because nobody likes raisinets. Uh, not as much as other candies, anyway. I mean, Ugh. if it's the last candy left, but you like chocolate. You're well, not buying raisinets, then. <laughs> well, maybe they're given to you. Oh, maybe. Maybe you got them for Halloween. Ooh, throw those out. You know, the 
the box of the sun-made raisins. Yeah. What monster gives that to kids? I don't know. Jeez. It's like, just give them some cough drops, you idiot. Ooh, cough drops. <laughs> cough drops for Halloween. Yeah. So, um, so was, that wraps it up for me, except for my uh, made-for-TV movies. The actual made-for-TV The actual made-for-TV made movies. Jolien, what about you? Uh, well, we've been watching the uh, recent uh, Twilight Zone. Oh. Have you seen that one yet? No, the, the Jordan Peele produced? Yeah, so he, he's the executive producer and he also presents it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but he hasn't directed any of them in this first season. Mm. We, we've got one to go. Okay. But uh, yeah, it's excellent. You have to buy the CBS streaming service to get it. Yeah, it just came out on disc, so that's how we're watching oh, it. Oh, good. Because you get stuff from the library. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it really good. I, I thought the first episode was like the weakest one. It was, it was peculiar to start on that one. I thought it felt, felt a bit stretched for 50 minutes. Mm -hmm. I thought, oh, is, is it a mistake to go to, for 50 minutes straight away? Yeah. Because um, like the original series started out as and, yeah. half hour slot and then it went to 50. And then it went back. Yeah. But, um, you know, it was a good drama, but it felt a bit thin. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, from, from then onwards, they're pretty strong. Hmm. Uh, very impactful stories. Um, there's, there's only one so far that's been close to horror, but, you know, that's okay. Yeah. Um, there's one about where these meteorites hit a small town and all the men go crazy. Hmm. Hey. So it was barely noticeable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't want to give it away. But, okay. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's very up to date. And they were drinking, swearing, shooting guns, chasing women. It was so unusual. Yeah, it's, it's right for the first half. I thought, oh, this is just like the town I grew up in. <laughs> yeah, it's just this is just Friday night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it gets it gets worse, but yeah, like the northern panhandle of Idaho, <laughs> <laughs> and the the Idabillies are bananas. Idabillies. Yeah. <laughs> You coined the term. I did. Yeah. We had some neighbors that were Ida Billies. Mm. Um, I ventured back onto Netflix for the first time in a long time uh, to watch. Um, there's a movie called uh, Girl on the Third Floor. Uh, it's played festivals, but it came out uh, last year, October. Okay. Um, it's directed by Travis Stevens, who's a, he's produced a bunch of things. But I was interested in this because uh, there's three people who did the soundtrack, and one of them is Steve Albini. Oh really? How interesting! And um, and they play big pla big blacks, bad penny at the end. Nice. Oh, of awesome. the credits. Is um, it true? Steve Albini's <clears throat> moved on to just sheet music. <laughs> <laughs> he does whatever it's he real wants. analog. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's he's a different kind of dude. Yeah. Um, so this one, this is about a fellow named Don Coco. Uh, he's fixing up an old house in uh, Portsmouth in uh, Illinois while his uh, pregnant wife stays on in Chicago to wrap up her, uh, her uh, legal job. Mm. And um, so there's an accumulation of um, icky de details, uh, his sexual frustration. Um, you'll enjoy the explicit drywalling. Oh yeah. Ooh. Sequences. Uh, there's a little ball, ball that rolls around. He's got a great dog named Cooper, but don't get too attached. Okay. Aww. Check the website people. Um, does the dog die.com he starts messing around with a neighbor named uh, sarah yates and oh. uh oh, wow he has a, a black best friend named milo don't get too attached to him either uh, so, no no <laughs> does the black guy die.com oh sure <laughs> um that one's so. not needed you know it's gonna happen sure uh it's a well done low-key horror but you know 
fairly conservative, as you can tell by the uh, the uh, victims so far. Right. Um, it gets uh, um, after he, he uh, physically turns away from the church. It gets uh, it goes downhill really fast. Oh, okay. But uh, it gets it's quite freaky. About halfway through, there's a major turn, and uh, it gets. Um, there's a lot about toxic masculinity and how his his it's interacting with the ghost of this house he's in, and uh, uh, it gets it gets quite bloody. It'll remind you of Hellraiser and Ooh. Amityville and The Shining, um, but it's it's not a low budget. But it's, <clears throat> it's it's well done. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, so the fellow playing. The main guy at the start is um, CM Punk, uh, Philip Jake Bro- Jack Brooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does a good job. He's he's you know he's got charisma and interesting face. And, oh, good. Um, and I believe could, he's a real horror fan, if I remember right. Is he? Yeah, CM Punk. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Liz is played by Trish Kelly Dunn, and uh, uh, Sarah Yates is played by Sarah Brooks, and Milo is played by Travis Delgado. Um, it's got physical makeup effects by Daniel Martin, a British um, effects guy. Uh, Tonya Kay plays this character called the Nymph. The Nymph. It's uh, filmed in Frankfurt, uh, Illinois. Oh. Wow. So, yeah, not far from the area they're representing. Yeah, so um, I, I, I thought was, that's was pretty good. Cool. Um, going down, um, <laughs> I watched the, the Sea Serpent from 1984. Mm, I've not seen this one. Mm. Is this is this trying to represent uh, sort of a Loch Ness monster? Yeah. Um, so this is a Spanish movie. Uh, you've got a dragonfish type uh, serpent, which is woken up by atomic bomb being dropped off the Portuguese coast. Um, uh, well, that's basically the plot. Okay. Um, the the asylum scene is great. Mm. Uh, that's worth the price of admission. Uh, the hero, he goes in. This, he, he's the only one who's seen the serpent to this point. Okay. And everyone else in his, his fishing boat got wiped out. So uh, no one believes him, and he's been, you know, thrown off. He, he can't like be captain anymore. Uh, but then he hears about this woman who's who's uh, seen the serpent, and she's been thrown in an asylum. So he go. He just sneaks in, and he he goes up to her bed and and. Uh, He's just like pouring at her and <laughs> saying, like, "You're not crazy. I'm not crazy. <laughs> they're the crazy ones." It's just like the worst way of trying to tell someone that they're not crazy, right? Um, he kind of looks like Paul Rudd's brother from uh, Anchorman. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, it's got Jawsy music in it. Uh, it wrecks uh, boats. It wrecks a paddle boat. Um, it wrecks a lighthouse. It wrecks wow. a helicopter. Almost gets a train. Wow. Um, there's, a, there's a beefy fisherman who's dubbed with a voice like Don Knotts for some reason. Uh. <laughs> wow. Uh, every scene goes on for about two minutes too long. Uh, and the serpent itself, it's mostly a hand puppet. Sometimes there's a full-scale head when they want to stick a victim writhing about in its teeth. Uh. And, and it sounds like Andy Griffith. <laughs> um, uh, for... Um, and then there's a full body puppet for when it's you know swimming across the surface, uh, and it's shown way too much in both the, mm. the beginning and end credits. Don't show the monster so much. Yeah, that that's just a thing. So uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. 
Hmm. Nice. Um, Where'd you see this one? In- where, where was this on? Uh, this was online somewhere, maybe YouTube, okay. I don't know. Um, Ray Milan's in it. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, uh, I watched uh, TV horror movies. We'll talk about that later. I also saw one called Eye of the Cat from 1969 because I've been watching for cat, cat horror movies. movies this is another one where it's like uh, there's a couple plotting to kill this rich old lady who's who loves cats yeah uh, she's not that old in this in this movie but um, this turned out to be directed by uh, David Lowell Rich who who did like classic TV horror movies oh. say in School for Girls and uh, Horror at 37,000 Feet and nice. uh, he also directed The Concord Airport 79 oh okay with Christopher Lee as uh, and I Have the Cat as a screenplay by Joseph Stefano from uh, Psycho. Really? Oh, okay. And Outer Limits. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, this stars Michael Sarazen as Wiley, uh, Gail Hanukkah as Cassia, um, Eleanor Parker as Aunt Danny, uh, Lawrence Naismith as Dr. Mills, uh, music by Lalo Schifrin. Um, and the director of photography is uh, Russell Metty, who did a lot of um, he did uh, Douglas Soak movies. Um, but it's got really uh, it's really nice looking movie it's, and the end the ending looks very Barbara-esque oh. when it gets dark um, it's got a, there's a toned down TV version climax with just one cat but the uh, the movie climax is you know, there's a lot more going on in it including a lot more cats and uh. a lot of blood so there's stage hands just off camera, just winging cats at people. <laughs> there's a few catapult cats, but um, <laughs> this is the the lead cat is this ginger played by uh, Talia, who is really good, good, really Oscar level performance from that cat. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, and all the cats are trained by the guy who trained the birds <laughs> for for the Hitchcock the yeah, birds. Uh, wow, Ray Burick. Um He's a real animal wrangler. Yeah. It's kind of um, uh, it's kind of clever, it's mechanically, but it's not very exciting movie. Um, yes, yeah, I mean, what what is what's this? What's wrong with this family? They they you know they live in this beautiful house on top of the hill in San Francisco, and doesn't doesn't look like a bad <clears throat> life, but they're all yeah. being pretty horrible. Um, anyway, that, that was Eye of the Cat. All right. <laughs> Is that the list? Yep. All right. Well, for me, okay, you you lend you lent me a couple of uh, movies that were um, uh, sort of vintage UFO, you know, from the fifties. And uh, the first one, um, I think, should have been called Alaska, Alaska, Alaska. Oh, and a flying saucer. Mm. That movie was just alaska through and through and it was like the the uh, boisterous american you, you're not going to tell me nothing i'm gonna roll my sleeves up and punch everybody right in the puss it's one of those kind of you know whatever but uh it was the first yeah it was the first it was the first what was it actually called the flying saucer the flying saucer um yeah oh and a flying saucer um so that one uh it was it was really interesting if it were about a guy going on a trip to Alaska and then they surprise you with the flying saucer at uh-huh. the end, that'd be cool. But it doesn't really go that much into flying saucers uh, or the mania surrounding them. It's mostly just this guy's trip and how he's 
kind of scheming on this woman who's supposed to help him. Mm. And, uh, and it was fine. But then, uh, but the other one, uh, which was the, the 1956, uh, it was two different titles, either UFO or unidentified flying objects, the true story of flying saucers. And it was, um, if you look this up in Wikipedia, they describe it as a semi documentary. <laughs> so it's sort of done in the style of documentary, mm. but not entirely really one. Uh, I don't know if any of the footage they use other than some stock footage is any actual footage, but a bunch of the air force guys do play the roles of themselves, which is interesting. Um, uh, uh, Rupelt does not, however, I believe. So is um, it based on the Rupelt book? Yeah, I think a lot of the stuff that's in this book that I have right here, it does smell like an old book, doesn't it? Oh, God, <laughs> you love those. Um, yeah, Edward J. Rupelt uh, wrote the book, The Report on Flying Saucers. Um, or, I'm sorry, The Report on Unidentified Flying Objects, <laughs> not flying saucers. Uh, he was the former head of the Air Force Project Blue Book. And this is uh, a 1956 printing of the book. So I think that might be the original. Uh, or did this come out in like 51? Anyway, um, you could tell by the fact that it was a 35 cent paperback. <laughs> it's, the, it's from a long time ago. Uh, so it's, it's interesting. Um, they, uh, they cover, if, if you kind of dig that old vibe of like 1950s shot on you know, black and white film, and uh, just a bunch of people watching radar and going to different government buildings and, you know, not being believed or actually being believed. It's pretty cool. You get all that dramatic stuff. Any Bigfoots? No Bigfoots, but as a masher, you'll enjoy the fact that uh, that you do get, um, um, what's his name, Harry Morgan. Oh, really? Yeah. So he, uh, of course, played uh, Colonel Potter on yeah. MASH. Uh, he, he's the, uh, pilot flying red dog one Oh, and he gets surrounded on the radar by all these blips and you hear him and it's like, they're closing in on him. And then all of a sudden they just decide to turn and go away. Spoilers for a movie, <laughs> 1956 UFO. Uh, so that one's totally worth a watch. If you, if you miss that old black and white stuff like that, I think Sven Gulli actually showed this one years ago on his show. Um, so I saw just, it popped up. Oh, wow. The Manos Hands of Fate sequel, hmm. the daughter of the person right. who made the original kept threatening to make a sequel. Oh my God. I only made it about 10 minutes in and it was just <laughs> God awful. Worse than Manos. It was, uh, like where Manos was one kind of inept. This was a worse, different kind of inept. Ooh. I can't even tell you. It's like a bunch of jerky friends decided to make a movie and they have a camcorder. Mm. I don't know. And, and nobody's good at any of what they do, mm. which you would think would end up looking just like Manos, but it just, it's different. I wish I yeah. could, I wish I could tell you how and why it's, it's less watchable than Manos, but wow. the, the sequel is just horrible. I turned it off 10 minutes in. Maybe it pulls out of the nosedive, but what's it called? Oh, it's, I don't know. <laughs> it's got Manos in the name. Oh, okay. You'll find it's, it's on uh, Amazon Prime. Manos 2. Yes. Oh, it's the Rise of uh, Torgo. Oh, okay. It just popped into my head. 
And they show the yeah, that sounds awful. The birth of Torgo and the weird bad parents that he had, or whatever. So, it would have been weirder if he had really normal parents who were encouraging and loving. Yeah, but he still turned into some sort of half goat man. Yeah, yeah, it goes to show. Yeah, yep, yeah. It's is it nature? Is it nurture? Or some of both? Um, we watched Hustlers, the 2019 J Lo vehicle. Nice, uh, where. She is a stripper working at a place in New York called, well, I don't know if it, if they say in the movie that it's scores, but it's the, apparently Howard Stern used to always have women on from this particular strip club. Okay. Um, so it's a well-known New York club. And so the women were um, suddenly in a situation where after the, um, after there was a bad situation with Wall Street, and these guys weren't in there spending thousands and thousands of dollars on them every night. Uh, they decided, well, you know, we're going to, we're going to go after just, uh, drugging these guys and stealing from them. Yeah. So they were, they were roofing these guys and then taking their credit cards and, and they were running the scam in, you know, in cooperation with the strip club where they, oh, were, okay. they, were, they were charging two or 3000 bucks on a guy's card Ooh. and they would do this to one or two guys a night. And then it, kept escalating and then they took it away from the club and they were doing it on their own. And, uh, the guys would either be too embarrassed or too in a fog to remember. So that's, uh, and I guess I didn't know it was based on an an actual story, like a a true story where there were a group of women who did this. Yeah. Um, so that was an interesting movie. Um, it, it stars Constance Wu, Jennifer Lopez and Julia Stiles. Uh, it was fun. It was, it was like a dark comedy. Oh, okay. So there were a lot of suspenseful moments in it and, you know, dramatic moments in it, but it was uh, mostly entertaining. Um, uh, let's see. I watched just the, the section or the, um, the, uh, segment of uh, trilogy of terror, uh, called Amelia, the one with the Zuni fetish doll. Yeah. That that I think was the original one that just ruined people for dolls. Yeah, <laughs> you could go back to that Twilight Zone episode with the talky Tina doll. Mm. Um, it's pretty horrifying, but this I think really messed some people up. Uh, I thought I better watch that because I had watched another one, which is the one I'll talk about mostly, uh, called The Spell. Mm. Oh, <laughs> or the Spell. We watch. I watched that too. Did you? Yeah. Ah, did you spot Helen Hunt? Yes. Okay. I only recognized that it was her because it was in the credits, and I went, is that actually her? She looks just like her. She just looks like a 10-year-old version of herself. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so the younger sister is Helen Hunt. So I watched uh, The Spell, which I got to say, you know, well inside the Barnes limit at 86 minutes. Yes. And that was a NBC Night at the Movies or whatever they called that. Um, from 1977. Yeah. Yeah. So she uh, plays Christina Matchett. Yeah. Christina Matchett. Uh, so here's the thing about that. Um, you watch a movie called the spell. You're going to expect to see some sort of incantation. Yeah. There's no spell. There's till the end. Well, there's some chanting, but, but there's, (laughs) you know, there's no candles. There's no ceremony. It's just uh Yeah, it was a little a little weak. It was more there with it, the witch 
And then it was revealed it was the uh, PE teacher. Right. It was kind of like, okay. Yeah. There's, there's it a seemed big... like somebody knew Carrie was coming out and wanted to cash in. Yeah, and it wasn't hard to know what was happening in Carrie because you could read the book. Yeah. It had already been out and, and had done well. Um, Jolien, you know something about the history of made-for-TV movies, don't you? Mm-hmm. So you want to talk a little about they it? They were made for TV. <laughs> I got, I've got a little information here about it, but you've done probably a little more research. Um, so the first ones were made in 64. Uh, the first one made was The Killers, but it was deemed too violent. By who? I don't know. Some government jerks? Yeah. Test audiences. Yeah. Some self-policing. This isn't Kubrick's The Killers, is it? Or no, that's The Killing. Yeah. Okay. No um, and then uh, so the, I retract my question. The one that actually came out first was uh, "See How They Run." See how they run, which is not a horror one. It's uh, orphans carrying top secret documents in their butts. <laughs> I believe so. Spoiler: <laughs> they're mewling <laughs> secret information. So, uh, like um, stations had realized, like showing movies on TV were actually profitable. Yeah. And uh, and they then they realized that making cheap movies for TV would also make a profit. So this set of jerks doesn't have to pay that set of jerks. So yeah, this is back in the day when there was just you know just got a couple of channels. So yep. if there was a movie on, then lots of people would tend to watch it. Uh huh. How many channels did you get in England? Or uh, well, uh, we had uh, two for a lot of the my childhood and then uh so we had bbc and then we had uh, the commercial channel uh, which would vary by region so okay. we had itv and then um and then bbc2 came in which was uh minority programming arts and etc mm-hmm. oh, okay. so it was like pbs um more interesting oh, okay uh they they well, they showed the star lot. trek series like you know, they'd show the whole thing and then just start over again. You know, the, that was always on. You could find uh, that every week. Uh, but they'd, they'd show like, uh, yeah, so, so you'd, you'd see lots of uh, Laurel and Hardy and uh, they had the uh, interesting documentaries and things like that. So, oh, okay. Uh, and then uh, um, uh, Saturday nights, they sometimes would have a season of double bills of horror movies and and, uh, and then... I got hooked on science fiction movies because they had an uh, excellent season of classics. Oh, good. But yeah, it was just like two or three channels. Yeah. All through the 70s. That's good. Pre, pre-home video and everything. So, you know. You got what you got. Yeah. yeah. So if you weren't interested in watching it, you did something else. Yeah. You'd, you'd go color in your coloring books. Right. Or build something with Legos or something. Something. So, Will, growing up, what did you have in terms of... Uh, Television. We had four channels. Wow. ABC, NBC, CBS, and then PBS. Now, I knew you got CBS because you've, you've Las mentioned... Las Ducas de Hazard, yeah. <laughs> yes, you got the Las Ducas. But, uh, so you got PBS. You didn't get any uh, UHF or VHF channels? Uh, no, that was all. That was all there was, was uh, those three channels on UHF. Wow. Or four channels, I guess. Yeah, and we had cable briefly, but it had a big giant box that was connected to the to the TV that you punched buttons into. Mm-hmm. It was like a 
I don't know, not the size of a keyboard, but pretty big, pretty big, you know, size of a hardback book, you know, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, that didn't last long. Mm. So we were back to uh, over the air TV for probably till I went to college. Yeah, we never had cable because I I think um, any anybody who's listened to enough of the show knows that we moved from the greater Chicago area to the northern panhandle of Idaho and became Ida Billies for a handful of years. And basically, depending on on the geography around you, you might get more than a channel or two. Um, mm. If there was a mountain in the way, a little problem of line of sight, uh, you might not get as many channels. So you would probably, if you knew what you were doing, put an antenna up on a really high pole. Mm-hmm. And make it so you could turn the thing mm-hmm. because you could change the direction of it. You might get a different signal. And then there was a little plastic box you could attach uh, to the outside that was called a booster. Yep. So it would send an electric current through the thing, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. And uh, amplify its capability. So all that to say, we still only got four channels. Yeah. We got everything except CBS. And then I think we did get a UHF or a VHF channel. Um, but we basically got ABC, NBC, and um, PBS, PBS yeah. and, and then a UHF channel of some sort. And I will say that somehow we found this exact same amount of crap to watch than if you've got 300 channels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Still, well, yeah, and like 200 of them, I'm just not interested in yeah. at least 200. <laughs> Minimum of 200, yeah, which I'm, is total garbage. I could live with two. Give me two really good channels. Yeah, just give me TCM and something with news. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, you know, digital antennas are no different than rabbit ears now. You know, sometimes the weather will affect the mm-hmm. signal. But when um, when these made-for-TV movies were new, uh, it would be like, oh, that looks like a horror thing. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. That's why I think they're interesting to the genre because it was a gateway, you know, when you're a kid. I mean, the, these, these things went out on Saturday evenings, yeah. prime time. And uh, it would just be the TV movie of the week. Mm-hmm. And they'd often show the the American ones. And mm-hmm. That's how you got to see them. Oh, wow. So, yeah, and, and uh, the, it would be some actors who were like character actors that you knew them, but you didn't remember mm-hmm. from where, or they were in things previous, such as uh, Barbara Eden from I Dream of Jeannie was in a lot of made-for-TV movies. And... Uh, so, you know, if you grew up with I Dream of Jeannie and you wondered what she'd look like in her late 30s or early 40s, then uh, you just watch some of those movies and there you go. But she was in a bunch of them. Uh, but uh, this, yeah, this this was definitely, like you said, a gateway. It would get you, if you hadn't seen a lot of horror, if you, uh, it, a lot of the stuff you would get on TV was edited anyway. So it's about the same amount of, of intensity or, or violence that you, you're just going to see just that much. I learned that there was, or maybe this is true, maybe it's not, uh, that there's a TV edit for Saturday Night Fever that knocks it down to a PG rating. Oh, oh yeah. And they put it out after Grease became popular to kind of cash in on Grease. Yeah. Because I recently read somebody's post on Reddit that... Uh, they had rented Saturday Night Fever and were shocked, shocked that it was not what they remembered it being, a fun disco romance movie. <laughs> Instead, they found a really good movie. 
Wow. A TV version, he jumps off the bridge and there's a bungee cord. I guess. I don't know. I'd love to see it. To see how how they cut that down to be at all romantic or anything that it's not, you know? PG instead of R. PG instead of R, yeah. Oh, man. So, um... So the early sixties, we, we kicked this whole thing off and, uh, it seemed like it only escalated in popularity and, uh, and I don't, I don't know if you could say quality. I think the quality was pretty much the same from the beginning to the end. Yeah. But there's, there's some really exceptional ones. Sure. Like, uh, I enjoyed uh, Salem's Lot. Yeah. Salem's, yeah, Salem's Lot, Lot's a really uh, good one. Duel. Duel. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And you could take like the end segments of the Dan Curtis anthologies. Like <laughs> if you put them together, you'd have a fantastic horror c- compilation. If you put all these appetizers together, you'd get an awesome yeah, meal. If you, if you take like the, the Zunido one. Yep. And Bobby yep. out of Dead of Night. Yep. Uh, I can't can't think of another one right now, but um, yeah, that, that'd be an awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Mix. Yeah, you just do a best of Dan Curtis. You're right. But on the other, the other thing, because they're going out and when you only had a couple of channels, so people would often just watch these because it was on. Yeah. It'd be in front of their faces. And uh, so it's it's more of a passive thing. Um, so it's, it's kind of penetrating into uh, a safe situation. Yeah. Uh, so I, I find that when they, when they have those moments, it's really potent. Yeah. And like, if, you know, if, if you're watching it as a kid, it's going to be like, what is this sensation? Yeah. Uh, you know, then, then as you grow up, he's like, what was that movie I saw? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the vague recollection. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what was that movie with the oozing doll? And, you know, Yeah, whatever. the spell has a a moment where somebody spontaneously combusts. Yeah. And it yeah, was... That would freak you out. It was a really good effect. That scary stuff. Yeah. 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 Really? I, I haven't yeah. seen that one yet. Yeah, you'll have to check it out because the, the movie's kind of dull. The the family there none of it nobody's mm-hmm. I mean other than Helen Hunt's like thirteen which I'd give her a pass and I guess Rita's fifteen probably give her a pass but the parents are terrible people especially the dad but yeah uh, that effect when one of their friends kind of blows up uh, yeah it like, was a good shot it was a good little effect I liked it yeah the woman was just like. Um obviously boiling from the inside yeah skin was all your face is kind of swelling and yeah smoke coming out yeah it was was a good effect especially for a tv made for tv movie i think right so so, yeah um if you're a horror fan you're going out to see a horror movie it's different it's more active you're like going out is you sit down you're like right do something scary yeah and you're expecting to see something horrible mm-hmm. uh you kind of take it for granted that society is disrupted and uh you know you, you want something disturbing yeah uh but if you're sitting at home watching a tv horror movie and you're not necessarily a horror fan it's it's going to be more shocking I yeah think. yeah because like you said it, they've put this in front of your face and uh there's two other channels and there's nothing like this on the other two yeah and uh, you don't like moving your face around. And <laughs> you don't like to get up and change the channel. Yeah. So you, you watch the made-for-TV movie. Yeah. And there were other kinds of them. There were dramas. But uh, the horror ones were definitely the ones that 
Yeah, those are the ones. I those are big in the seventies, and then I remember the eighties. They all seemed to switch to mysteries. There were a lot of yeah NBC Monday Night Mystery kind of. Yeah, I blame all of those TV series like Father Dowling and uh uh-huh, yeah, there were a lot of those Murder She Wrote like and all that kind of stuff. A long episode. Yeah, some of these would just feel like an you know an episode and a half of one of those things. Yeah. Also, in the eighties, you have home video comes in, so you can yeah, see, you know you you were able to see what you liked. Yeah, that's true, and and uh, people would. Go rent the same things over and over, hmm. and then at some point find out that once they could own the VHS machines, the VCRs, that they could hook two of them together and re- dub things off. Yes. <laughs> that was a magical time for people. Uh-huh. You could steal it all. Yep. Just for the cost. Cram of... three movies on a tape. Yep. On slow mode or whatever they yep. call it. Slow play. Yeah. So, um, or extended play, actually, because slow play, you'd only put one movie on there. Uh, so, Julian, what did you watch for the made-for-TV? Uh, so I, I watched uh, Spectre from 1977, um, directed by Clive Donner. Um, this is uh, one of Gene Roddenberry's pilots for series oh. that didn't happen, like an investigative occult expert series. Uh, oh. He did a few of these. Like Cole Shack, but less bumbling? Uh well, he wasn't really. He was like a standard reporter who stumbled into the occult. Oh, uh, these these were where you have an occult expert who is investigating, right happenings. So in this case, it's Robert Culp playing uh, William Sebastian, and uh, he 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 lives in this uh, very nice modern house um, with uh, Majel Barrett as Lilith, <laughs> and his his living witch. Um, and uh, uh, so you, uh, he's called to investigate this uh, house in England, uh, which belongs to um, uh, the Cyan family. And uh, they, they, uh, the members of the family are John Hurt, James Villiers. Um, and uh, <laughs> he goes over supposedly to England. That they must have got some B-roll or some second unit mm-hmm. footage from London. But... Um, just some establishing uh, shots, some exteriors. Yeah. So, so while he's while he's still in the U.S., uh, this this woman turns up who's from this family, but she turns out to be a succubus, and he he uh, whacks her in the face with the uh, the apocryphal book of Tobit, which is an actual occult book. Um, is this the book you would use on a succubus? Well, apparently it works because hmm. she falls to the floor screaming, and there's lots of melting and steam and carrying on. Well, all the succubi I know wouldn't go down that easy, but <laughs> fair enough. <It's> ha ha. <laughs> um, so he's he's he started out as a criminologist, and he's got he's got this uh, worldwide re- uh, repute for uh, working on criminology with his uh, with his partner, who's played by uh, Gig Young, who's now an alcoholic doctor. Um, <laughs> Wait, <laughs> is he a doctor who takes care of alcoholics? No, he's a doctor who is. This is the seventies, so he's like he's a hero, but he's also an alcoholic who mashes women. Okay, um, so he's a hard drinking doctor. Uh, and Lilith puts a spell on him, so he feels ill when he tries to have alcohol. So that, that puts him off it. Oh, um, anyway, um, so uh, yeah, so he's come to believe that demonic forces are behind uh, the more uh, horrendous cases, and they they name various famous mass killing mm. cases. 
Um, they end up going to London. They they go to Merlin's Muse in London. <laughs> is this a pub? Well, is it? No, it, it's a muse. Oh, okay. Uh, where um, a demon attacks them, and then they head for Kentworth Abbey, where uh, Sir Geoffrey has a bunch of uh, model maids. Uh, he's like this uh, satanic Hugh Hefner. Okay. Uh, or Hugh Hefner, depending on your point of view. <laughs> right. Um, and his sister wants uh, Sebastian to prove that Jeffrey is possessed. Um, and uh, they have this, like, uh, the, the Doctor uh, character, uh, Dr. Hamilton, He he's put up in this bedroom, which is like this, it's obviously like the the playroom because it's like it's so with the decor and the waterbed and everything and the fake fur yeah the maids come in dressed as one dress one's dressed up as a dominatrix and another one's dressed up as a sexy dorothy so they're not really maids at all so it's kind of like whoa uh you know the sort of thing that can creep into a tv horror movie sure you think what's that what's going on here um (laughs) so it's very amusing um it's a movie. Uh, it's got some good, you know. It's got a good. Uh, uh, well, the the ending. They have this like uh, he he's uh, they're working with various uh, plutocrats from around the world. You know, they they're running the economy. Oh, okay. And uh, they come over to his place for orgies. So they have this orgy at the end, and uh, they they put more uh, nudity into the European release of this mm, TV movie. Okay. Um, so this guy is like a Jeffrey Epstein type. Yeah. So. With the with the orgies and the rich people. Right. But uh, yeah, it's quite well done. It's got Gordon Jackson in it as well as a, as an inspector, of course. And uh, yeah, and John Hurt, of course, is uh, he's always good. Of course. Um, yeah, so I enjoyed that one. So is, ni- is, is 1977 the golden age of made-for-TV movies? I think so. I mean, 74 through 78, maybe? Yeah. That's got to be it, right? Because people were going, all right, damn it, they got that, they got that exorcist going on over there. Yeah, and they got 73, the, 78. Yeah, like the, the carry, they got that carry going on over here. <laughs> we got we to gotta cash in on this, guys. Yeah, one of them I watched had a an exorcist in it, and you could tell it was just because the exorcist had been popular. Yeah. You know, throw that in there. Yeah. Got any sharks? Can we throw some sharks in there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, people people love them sharks. So that uh, I saw another one, but do you yeah, want to take a turn? Sure. So, uh, the first one, I, I watched three. Oh, wow. So uh, first one I watched was Where Have All the People Gone? What's this? Uh, it's a post-apocalyptic movie with Peter Graves. Ooh. He and his yeah. family are archaeologists? Yeah. Hobbyists? I don't know. They're in a cave, and the sun has big flares, and uh, they uh, oh, 1974. It's like on NBC. Okay. Uh, anyway, uh, there's big solar flare, and it causes uh, the animals to go crazy and people to turn into white powder. With their clothes remain, and they just have white powder. So this is Night of the Wild and Night of the Comet. Kinda put together, yeah. Night of the Wild Comet, yeah. Um, so he and his he sent his wife and I don't know oldest son or somebody home, and then the flare hits and they have to walk from the hills all the way down to Malibu, 
hoping that she's still alive. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it was all right. Peter Graves was in it. He's yeah, good. Yeah, it's, it's got feral dogs in it, so it's kind of. It's got feral world. dogs. It had a dog that I'm pretty sure was Lassie, just filthed up. <laughs> you know, they put some dirt on him, and you're like, that dog's not really angry. Yeah, massage some of this mud into the collie. Yeah, one of them did look like, oh, that dog does a good angry dog. He plays well. Yeah, that like uh, wagging the tail and smiling. Somebody checks a cat at at Peter Graves. <laughs> uh, yeah, it looked the copy looked like it was a videotape of a videotape. That's always unfortunate. You know, you wonder like, is this the best it can be now? Is this all that remains? Yeah, yeah. Somebody's copy of a copy. Well, and and sometimes original source material does get lost. Yeah, and, and yeah. all you have is you know the VHS. Which is a real bummer. So, yeah, was it worth your time to watch it? Uh, it was like sixty-eight minutes. So, sure. <laughs> <laughs> what else were you? Gonna it do? was over before I knew it. You know. Yeah. Uh, it got a little dull. Yeah. In the middle, you know, it's nothing you haven't seen before. It may have been fresh in seventy-four, but I, I doubt it. Mm. Well, we had to, in the fifties. You had movies like Five and uh, Well, The Flesh and the Devil. And yeah. In the 60s, you had uh, Panic in the Year Zero. Right, right, you ever right. See that yeah, one? That that's a close. good one. Yes, yeah, so that's a family. Yeah, that's what it reminded me of most of, right. except it's some sort of weird solar flare that right. kills people instead of a bomb. Yes. You know, we kept saying people turned into cocaine. <laughs> it was so 70s. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you want to go? Well, sure, yeah. So I'll talk a little bit, and then then when we circle back around to the, the spell, then we'll talk about that. But I did watch Trilogy of Terror, um, and I I started the thing, you know, not remembering which order they went in, but I was sure that Amelia was not the first one. It was either the second or the third one. And, um, and sure enough, um, Julie was the first one, and that's the one about the uh, English teacher and this jerky student that takes the... Um, pictures of her when she's knocked out drugged uh i didn't watch that one i saw the very beginning of it and um then of course fast forwarding through it on uh, amazon prime i saw the very tail end of millicent and therese which uh this has got something to do with a supposed voodoo talisman which if we were to ask uh, eugenia she would probably tell us that there's no actual voodoo involved here uh they they do wrap the thing up with a voodoo doll somehow involved with the dead woman. And then there's a big reveal at the end of that one, the, a spoiler I don't want to reveal, <clears throat> but the, um, but the doctor, uh, does the big reveal at the end of this thing. Then it goes into Amelia, which is, um, it's filmed as a one woman play and it's just, uh, other than her walking into the apartment building, it's all just an interior, um, a set, I would assume. And uh, she's carrying a package that has a, uh, a wooden doll, we assume, that, that is a quote-unquote Zuni fetish warrior doll. And I had to look up, like, what does this tribe even look like? And I'm pretty sure it doesn't look like this doll. And sure enough, it does not at all look like this doll. And they're from, like, western part of New Mexico, right? Uh-huh. So, you know, you're familiar, Will. The, you grew up yeah. in New Mexico, and they don't look like this doll. The Zia symbol on the New Mexico flag is from the 
the Zuni. Oh, okay. Or Zuni, the Zuni. as they pronounce here in Colorado. I don't understand why people, when they see that street name, they say Zuni. Who yeah. who decided that? I don't know. It's it's maddening. What's Galapagos? Yeah. <laughs> what and I and I know I've said this on the show before, but when we were in Austin, I couldn't believe that people were pronouncing the street name Guadalupe. Ooh, that was just like I I I just had to like rub my eyes and splash some cold water on my face and be like, where am I? Did I really hear this? Am I hallucinating? They also say a coma here. Yeah. Instead of acoma. A lot of, uh, yeah, mispronunciation. Yeah. So, um, Amelia, so it's the one woman play and, and, uh, because of her talking to herself, uh, sort of muttering and, you know, musing over things, uh, and talking on the phone, uh, once with her mother and once with her boyfriend, you kind of get the picture of what's going on. And then, um, she's making herself some food and, uh, having a look at this doll that she gets out of the box and it has a, um, just some sort of a, uh, parchment looking piece of paper in it that, uh, this hunter doll is called he who kills and the gold chain is supposed to keep. Now the supposed thing is that there's a warrior's spirit in the doll. And if the chain comes off, then the spirit could get out, <clears throat> but this keeps it captive. Yeah. Of course, she just sets it on the coffee table and the chain falls off. <laughs> so it wasn't very well installed for, it had one job. Yeah. And, uh, the person who put it on there had that one job too, I suppose. And, um, what's really amazing about this one is the tension that's created. You, you know, you, you know what's going to happen cause you've seen it, but the first time you saw it as a kid, it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, that thing is scary looking. It's got pointy teeth. It's carrying a spear. It just looks like this little goblin, this, yeah. this little dark goblin. Um, you know, nothing like people from the Zuni tribe. Uh, that, that was very much a disservice to them. But um, <clears throat> they had to call it something. And uh, it's like, yeah, 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 call it some, something exotic, something that uh, nobody's seen before. <laughs> and um, when the thing gets loose... Uh, she notices it's missing from the coffee table. She kind of does the, huh, that's strange. Starts looking for it. Find, she pokes herself with the spear, like finds that under the couch. And then all hell breaks loose. The thing has got pointy teeth. It's got <clears throat> one of her knives from her making herself some food. It's got, I think it gets the spear back, but it's, it's going after her and it's like, it's going to be death of a million paper cuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's got her, her ankles and calves all cut up. It's her hands. There's blood on her face for made for TV. This thing's pretty bloody. Yeah. And the, the noise, the thing makes like it's little voice. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> um, there's a, a, a friend of ours. Who's uh, it's the best video I think I've ever seen. There's a Staffordshire terrier, uh, named Shazam. And, uh, the uh, the little girl Flo is sitting there, and in her high chair, and the dog is talking to her. The dog is like whoa 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 whoa, and she just is cracking up. And then she finally gets her composure and looks at the dog and it goes whoa 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 whoa, and she cracks up. And this exchange goes back and forth. I'm not kidding. About six or eight times, and this 
<laughs> the dog making these talking noises. And I've been around this dog like two or three times. Um, they live in San Francisco. Um, it sounds just like this little goblin Zuni fetish warrior doll. So talking dog. Talking dog. But I've never heard the dog talk when I was there. Huh. Shazam's like, take me for a walk. She's hilarious. She's just the sweetest dog. Um, so uh, this this progresses, of course, to the point where uh, she has to um, lock the doll into a suitcase that everybody had back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. That ugly green colored suitcase. Oh, yeah. Everyone had a set of that, that particular green. I don't know how anyone found their suitcases at the airports back then. But um, uh, she gets it locked in the suitcase and it saws its way out mm. with her kitchen knife, which was kind of awesome. Yeah. And finally, um, you know, this is, a, again, spoilers were warned at the beginning of this. Um, she has to chuck it into the oven where her steak is cooking. So, yeah, of course it gets out and finishes her off. And, well, it looks like she's okay. Mm-hmm. Has a conversation with her mom, telling the mom. See, the mom felt jilted that she was going to go out with the boyfriend. And then she had to cancel with the boyfriend. And... It was his birthday, and this was his present. This doll was his present. Oh. Because he was like an anthropology guy or something. Uh, for some weird reason, her getting stabbed that many times and then bit on the neck by this thing, she becomes the thing at the end, mm-hmm. if you guys remember. Yep. She's waiting for the mom, and then she's sitting there with the knife. Right. Stabbing it into the floor, and then when she yeah. smiles, she has the pointy teeth. Yeah. That is such a great ending. <laughs> now, if you're allowed to watch this and you're, I don't know, what age would your folks let you watch something like this? I was way too young to see it when it came out in the UK, mm-hmm. but they had a trailer for it. Mm. So there's the bit where the door gets whipped open. Yeah. Ooh. Mm. Yeah. And that's enough nightmare fuel for yeah, a kid. Yeah, I, I, I don't... I don't have any nightmares from it, but um, yeah, I, I really wanted to see it. This looked like the scariest thing ever. It, so, you know but what? it was a long time before I actually saw it. When we were kids and we got to see this thing, whether it was original, I, it, it might've been on a rerun, but oh, let's see. This thing came out March 4th, 1975. Ooh. Yeah. So this was one of those things where they, they probably reran it every other year. Yeah. And whatever point we saw it, it was it was scary. It was mm-hmm. one of the scarier things we had seen. Yeah. Because there had been no Chucky yet. No. And it was definitely a, a couple levels up from uh, the Talkie Tina doll. Yeah. So rewatching this, I mean, I had watched this a year or two ago, but rewatching this was a lot of fun. Yeah. So what was your next one, Julian? Um, well, I saw uh, The Horror at 37,000 Feet. Hmm. It's from... Uh, February 13th, 1973. So it beats uh, The Exorcist by uh, 10 months. Oh. And uh, Horror Express by mm, nine months. Um, 73 minutes. Perfect. CBS. Directed by David Lowell Rich. Um, So it's about a special flight with uh, a few passengers and heavy cargo, uh, which takes off from Heathrow, uh, which is represented by uh, various uh, people playing loaders and going, oh, blimey. Uh. <laughs> but anyway, um, and it's headed for Long Island. And uh, the heavy cargo is this ancient sacrificial altar. Um, and then uh, shortly after takeoff, 
Um, it's got three things going for it. It's ancient, it's sacrificial, and it's an altar. Yeah. Um, shortly after takeoff, they're caught in what they think are uh, weird crosswinds, and the plane is just not going anywhere. Hmm. And uh, everything's dark around it, and uh, the the hold where the altar's kept gets incredibly cold, and freezing mist starts coming out, and it starts busting up through the floors, and... Uh, uh, Ooze starts coming out of things, uh. um, and uh, so you've got this uh, excellent cast who are going crazy, um, wondering what to do and finding out what's going on. Um, so I, I can run through <coughs> who's in the cast. Go ahead. So the captain is uh, Ernie Slade. He's played by Chuck Connors. Okay. He was in uh, Taurus Trap. Yeah, and he's, uh, he's, Rifleman. Yeah, he's, he's famous for his westerns and things. Um, the second in command is Jim Hawley, played by Russell Johnson, who was the professor on Gilligan's Island. Oh, okay. And uh, uh, if there's a 50s science fiction movie with uh, Russell Johnson in it, then it's good. Yeah. Um, it came from outer space. Yeah. This Island Earth. This uh, Island Earth, yeah. Attack of the Crab Monsters. Yeah. Uh, he was also with William Shatner in uh, The Hungry Glass episode of Thriller, which is one of the best ones. Oh, okay. Uh, all the Shatner episodes of Thriller are good. Um, and uh, the navigator is uh, Frank Driscoll, who's played by H.M. Wyant, and the flight attendants are played by uh, Darlene Carr and uh, Brenda Bennett, and these are early 70s flight attendants. Nice. So very short skirts. Yeah. Uh, go-go white, boots. White go-go boots. Yeah. <laughs> you, mean, you mean stewardesses. <laughs> um, so uh, then the passengers... You've got Sheila O'Neill, who's um, played by Jane Mayro. She's the heiress from a, a broke old English family who's selling off all their stuff. Um, she shortly gets uh, possessed through her headphones by uh, uh, the whatever the spirits are. Um, and she starts speaking Latin for some reason. Huh. Uh, we wondered why she would speak Latin. I don't know. That seems odd. It, it sounds mysterious, and it's a dead language. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, her husband is Alan O'Neill, who's a, an architect. He's played by uh, Roy Thinnes. Okay. Uh, who's in? He's famous for the Invaders, but he's he's been in a few of these movies. Uh, so he's he's transporting the sacrificial altar from his wife's estate to uh, their place in Long Island. Huh. Um, where it, where it rightfully belongs. Yeah, it might make a bar or something. Um, <laughs> we'll put it in the yard. It's a great water feature. So Roy Thinnis was in Satan's School for Girls. Yeah. Um, and uh, Norless Tapes. Have you seen that one? I've not seen that one. one. Okay. No. Uh, so also on the flight is this woman who hates what they're doing. Of course. Um, she's uh, Mrs. Pindo, who's played by Tammy Grimes. And she's a paganist who objects to the removal of the altar. And uh, interestingly, she talks about the old ones. Oh. Um, so, you know, rarer mention of Lovecraft at this point. He wasn't, yeah. he just wasn't mentioned that much. No. Yeah. Then. Um, she's also brought along her dog, Damon. <clears throat> Why does she bring along her dog, Damon? I don't does know. Does she plan to immigrate? Huh. Does she just need this big dog with her? Um, it's an emotional comfort animal. Uh, there's a scene that will remind you of, uh, the, the, <clears throat> the 80s version of The Thing. Because the dog's stuck in this cage in the hold next to the where the altar's. Yeah. So when when the 
evil stuff starts coming out. The dog's trying to bite its way out of the cage. And then it just gets flash frozen. Oh. Um, so another dead dog. So yes, the dog dies. Um, yeah, so so there's, there'd been a previous... Uh, uh, there was a TV... It wasn't really a movie. It's, it's just under an hour long called uh, Dark Intruder, uh, which came out in 65. Um, this was supposed to be a pl- pilot for a, a cult series called Black Cloak starring Leslie Nielsen. Wow. And uh, and that's very heavy on the Lovecraft. Oh, okay. That's an interesting watch. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, there's a doctor, Doctor Encala, played by Paul Winfield. He was in. <laughs> uh, do you know him? Yeah. He was in Sounder and Gordon's War and oh. uh, uh, Trouble Man. And yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. For some reason, he's playing this very plummy accented English <clears throat> doctor. He wears a, a you know, pinstripe suit and bowler hat and everything. Oh, oh my gosh. You know, yeah. <laughs> terribly pleasant to meet you. Without a, <laughs> why he's doing that, I don't know. But anyway, he's the calm, rational doctor who's then confronted by the completely ir- irrational. Yeah. And, uh, and you've got uh, Manu, who's played by Lynn Loring, who's this kind of, his, she's like this screaming sort of Angie Bowie slash uh, Rosemary character. Oh, okay. Uh, and she was the actual wife of Roy Thinnes at the time. Um, you've got uh, Anna Lick, who's a model, played by France Nguyen. Do you know her? No, I don't think so. Uh, she was uh, she was the she was the daughter in the young girl in uh, South Pacific. Oh, okay. And uh, she played Susie Wong on the stage opposite William Shatner. Oh. Uh, she played <clears throat> Ilan on Star Trek. Oh, okay. And she played Alma in Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Oh. Uh-huh. Um. Then you've got uh, Len Farley, who's this uh, rich businessman, played by Buddy Epson. And uh, he ends up... Uh, sacri- Buddy Epson? Yeah. He, he ends up sacrificing his money to try to appease the gods. Oh, that's gods. hilarious. Because in Beverly Hillbillies, he's Jed Clampett, who is a millionaire. Yeah. Because he found some oil. On <laughs> Texas his- tea. Yeah. Black <laughs> gold. Then you've got this girl traveling by herself uh, with her doll. Um Named Jody. Um, what was her name? I forget. Um, I think I know where this goes. I think I remember this one. Yeah, it, it's a good one. Um, anyway, um, so the uh, at one point they they uh, so there's this there's this thing is busting up through the the plane that people people are just going crazy mm-hmm. and uh, they figure out that they've got to sacrifice someone to this mm-hmm. thing. So this is this is like seventy three minute movie. So is this. Could it moves pretty, pretty fast. They got to get to the point. Traumatic for a kid watching this because you've got these adults going nuts, and it looks like they're going to sacrifice the kid. Oh, but they fool the thing. Yeah, what they do yeah. is they take a doll, they put on this like heavy makeup for some reason, mm-hmm. and then they 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 use their false fingernails off one of the women, and uh, they wrap it up in this dress, and then they offer it to the. Uh, the thing that's coming up through the floor. Didn't they put like a lock of someone's hair on it yeah, or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember this one. Uh, but the, the like the the evil force, you know, is not fooled, and it and the, so there's this great shot of like uh, the doll starts oozing out all this whatever the slime is supposed yeah. to be ectoplasm. Um, and then the uh, the other passenger is uh, Paul Kovalik, who's played by William Shatner, and he is an ex priest. Who uh, left the service because uh, he he wanted a glimpse of uh, um, you know what he believed in mm-hmm. at the time and never got it. 
Um, he says, uh, I didn't lose my faith. Faith lost me. Well. He's also always got a drink in his hand. <laughs> that um, was in his contract. So uh, his, so most most of the stories about his arc of like a, he really wants to see evidence of this and, and everyone else is like really quick to believe in what's going on. Yeah. And, uh, and then at the end he, he comes through and, and tries to be the hero. But then he... Uh, he wants to see, he wants yeah. to get, you know, actually see what what's coming up, and uh, and he does get a glimpse of it, and he's and he's, you know, so very Lovecraftian, and uh, you don't get a good look at what he sees, but he's obviously terrified, and then and then he's blown out into the, uh, yeah. into the air. Oh man! <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it, 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 I thought it was really fun. It's got interesting things going on. And you know it's got usual usual TV horror movie thing of like a very uh, like modern day conservative setup, and they're in like obviously in the, being in a plane, they're in like high tech environment. Yeah, it's supposed to be you know everything's rational, mm-hmm. but then something erupts <clears throat> into it, and every and they just revert back to irrationality yeah. really fast. Uh, but that's how they they have to defeat it or survive it. Yeah. But it's got all these. It throws up all these hints that it doesn't really uh, go into. I mean, you've, you've got to end this thing in yeah. just over an hour, right? Uh, but you know, you've got suggestions of Lovecraftian ancients and druidic sacrifice and and people being prepared to do terrible things to survive. And it just scratches a lot of those itches people had for things like The Exorcist and. Yeah, yeah. What so, year was this one? So, this, so as I say, this uh, <clears throat> this came out in February seventy three. Okay, The Exorcist came out in December. Okay, and now it's going to be a thirteen part uh, series <laughs> on Netflix. <laughs> yeah. We'll get everybody's story oh, long and drawn out, right. and flashbacks and all that. Right, just all the things that nobody wanted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. yes, I do yeah. like this one. Yeah, it's kind of funny, like. <clears throat> like even if this was just hinted at, you know, from somebody who had maybe read the book, the exorcist, because you had the omen, the exorcist, uh, and then later Amityville horror, a lot of this stuff, I think added to that set of irrational fears that people started to get in the seventies and into maybe the early eighties where you had to be concerned no longer just about the Bermuda triangle and the killer bees, <laughs> but now you had to worry about, demonic possession hauntings um combination of the two right and then sharks on top of all of it like there's a lot of stuff to be worried about if you think what that situation was you had like the the baby boomers uh like all at once it seemed at the end of the 60s everything they'd taken for granted was up in the air or ripped up yeah uh every institution um you had the god is dead cover on time Right. Um, the president was a crook. Right. Uh, you know, everything you're supposed to rely on was, was you know... Just torn away from blown you. Apart. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, so when when you lose your faith in something, you look around for something else, anything else. So, so you have all these, like, you know, cult things and... Yeah. Yeah, all the counterculture people had uh, just been running semi-nude, smoking bad weed and, and uh, having all these idealistic notions. And then maybe maybe they were ready to come back down to earth. 
and say, all right, maybe I need to get a job. Maybe I need to cut my hair. Maybe I need to wear clothes that aren't these. And then, yeah, the institutions are like, just kidding. This is a bunch of bullshit, too. Yeah, yeah. your economy is not safe. Yeah. So what could they believe in? You know, their fanciful notions turned out to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And then establishment, they turn around and look at it and go, well, maybe this. And it's like, ha, huh, not really this either. Right. <laughs> wow, what do you do? You're lost. Join a cult, a satanic cult. <laughs> I think you're right. Look more conservative. It's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. Look more conservative, but be in a cult. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that works. The evil had uh, uh, the deadly horror of quicksand. Did it? In it, yes. Wow, that was a Well, whole... it wasn't really quicksand, but it was the same effect that they used in every show from 1960 to 1980, maybe uh, beyond, you know, where it's just like sawdust and water and mm, the guy vermiculite. sinks down. Yeah. 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 Pretty sure there was a vermiculite in a lot of it. Yeah, I'm sure. I like in the jungle movies, you always have one hand sticking out at the end. Uh-huh. Yep. If it's the bad person, the hand goes down. And if it's a good person, some, someone grabs <laughs> the him or throws comes him a... up, yeah. Yep. Someone throws him a vine. Right. Yeah, Tarzan will sort that out for you. So we both watched The Spell. We both watched The Spell, yeah. The Spell. So Didn't have a lot of spells in it. Now, i got to ask you guys both. Um, before they abolished phys ed or PE or physical education, whatever you want to call it, gym class, um, before they made it kind of go away like they did with music and everything else that um, builds strength or character or anything interesting in a person. Uh-huh at least in our public school system. Um, there were, I got a glimpse of the infamous rope that you had to climb to yep. the ceiling of the gymnasium. I got a glimpse of this when I was a kid, but our class didn't need to climb it because we were like, you know, third grade or something. And we didn't really, I mean, they would take you to the gym and have you run around and throw a ball or something. But when you got into actual gym class, in like seventh grade where it got more serious, where you had some mean ass football coach that was going to make you run laps forever until you died. Yeah. Um, and do all these push ups and other calisthenics and play stupid sports. You didn't know anything about that rope was going to be there and you were going to have to climb it. And it never happened. It just somehow never happened to me where we had to climb the stupid rope, climbing a rope to the ceiling of a gym. Now, I don't know if they did this to you in the military, Julian, but they did it in school. They did, they this did to in you? the school, yeah. Both of you? Yeah. Wow, I ducked that bullet. How did you do? Did you get to the top? I sucked at the rope climb. How about you? Just didn't do it. Didn't do it? I just I did not do well. We had another one where you had to you had a pegboard on the wall and yeah. you had these big pegs and you had to stick them in and pull yourself up. Yeah. I was a lot better at that than the yeah. than the rope climb. I just could never get my arms and legs to work together to Right. You know, just doesn't pull make, myself up. If there's no knots in the rope, it doesn't make sense. The pegboard, yeah. you could get your shoulder in it. Mm-hmm. Keep your shoulders tight to your yeah. fists holding the pegs. But yeah, the rope, it was not good. Yeah. I, no. I couldn't see. There's like a lose-lose situation, you know. Yeah. If you could do it, you'd get so high that I'd be terrified. Right. Yeah. And then maybe fall yeah. to, to a wrestler's to, mat. To a hardwood floor. Oh, yeah. they didn't have the mat down nope. for you? Really? I think we had a wrestling mat, but that's only like an inch and a half of padding. It's still going to hurt a lot. It's still going to break your arm or leg. Yeah. Or your neck. Or neck. Just so if you're Jackie who, Siegel. Who? Who? Yeah, well, as is this British comedian pointing out, I think it was Jasper Carrot, but um, he said, uh, like, so you have like eight periods in school uh-huh. day. And so, you know, you'd have like English, maths, chemistry. 
And then all of a sudden, you'd have this half hour where you could get killed. Uh huh. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. like then, Lord then, of the Flies. Yeah, and then you're back to doing French. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Plus, they make you get sweaty and exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. And then and, send you off to another. And there's like this whole like humiliation from the instructor as well as mm-hmm. the, the other kids. You could do it. Yeah. yeah, it's just this horrible hellish half hour or hour sometimes. It's, yeah, didn't you just feel like saying, "Hey, which one of you turds can draw?" Yeah, <laughs> no, you just like hang back and yeah. I, I like doing some sports, but yeah, yeah, that gym stuff was just crazy. It was stupid. So the reason I bring that up, of course, is the beginning of this movie. There's a um, a shy 15-year-old girl named Rita who um, they tease her for being fat. Oh, they have no idea what fat is if they're no. calling this poor girl fat. No, she's... And, uh, and I wonder if this was traumatizing to the young actress because... Susan Myers. She's not in anything else. Yeah, I wondered. Like, you, her, there's no blue link on her name to click on to go see what else she'd been in. So maybe this was it for her, but... Um, she's relentlessly teased and I didn't expect the Carrie stuff to come out right away. I expected her to get humiliated and just it build and build and build and build. But nope, like immediately she just takes her revenge on the snottiest of the girls who's really showing off that not only can she climb the rope, but she can do all kinds of stripper gymnastics on it. Yeah. And, um, and she's up there twirling and twirling and twirling and the girl just makes her fall. And I think she dies. She broke her neck. It doesn't. It's not revealed if she's dead or not. Later, at least I didn't notice. Yeah, but she, she threw her from a great height to the ground. She's probably dead. And she landed in the position that the characters on uh, the Family Guy always land in. Yes, it was exactly <laughs> one arm behind the back. Yeah, just kind of twisted around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she landed like that. Um, or kind of similar to the broken apart person in It Follows. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of look like that. Uh, that was kind of like a... I'm thinking, oh, right, this thing's bringing it this early in the movie? Yeah. It's going to be like, you know, pedal to the metal, we're doing this. And then it gets boring. Mm. It's really boring for most of the movie. Yeah. It's a lot of... It was strange because you, you would think that, I mean, at least given the description and the fact that you'd think it's a carry ripoff, that she would have more revenge against the students, but it's really more a family drama than than a school drama. She doesn't spend much time at school. Yeah, she doesn't. I mean, you really do kind of want to see, oh, you know, could there be something that happens in, uh, you know, a science class where maybe she makes something blow up in someone's face? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, chemical burns would be interesting. But without us trying to write a better movie, what we can say is this is lacking with... Um, in the sense that it's, uh, there's long stretches where n- nothing interesting happens. Yeah. Uh, for a movie that's, uh, how long is this thing? <laughs> like 73 minutes or something? 86 minutes. Okay. So this turned into two hours of television. Yeah. Wow. That must have been exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Insert a bunch of commercials for like um, Calgon and uh, Comet and things like that. <laughs> Do you remember that racist commercial? With Calgon? Yeah. Take me away? Yeah. No, no, no. The, um, the, the ancient Chinese secret? Ancient Chinese secret. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And do, yeah. You, remember, do you remember the very concerned Mr. Whipple for Sherman? Sh- yes, for don't squeeze 
the Charmin. Yeah. Yeah, he was very worried about people squeezing the toilet paper in the grocery store. Yeah, I remember those. They ran those ads for, God, 20 years? Something like that. Maybe he finally died, and then they got the butt wipe bears now. Ooh. Yeah, it's just not a Not a great up there. We went down. Yeah, I think so. I mean, unless they were wiping their butt with a rabbit. I remember the chuck wagon ads, too. Those were great. When the dog would chase the little chuck wagon. Those ran for like 20 years. Yeah. And never changed. No, they would reshoot them, but they would be exactly the same commercial. Yeah. Did you ever see those, Jolien? For chuck wagon dog food? No. It would be a dog chasing a miniature bunch of cowboys with a chuck wagon. And they'd be just going high speed through the house and then into the kitchen and they would just vanish like into the cabinet yeah like harry potter yeah <laughs> it was just in, like uh, england we had they might still be doing them but variations on this little goldie puppy playing with a toilet roll and, oh <laughs> that's adorable yeah <laughs> that was for your what a shitty dog <laughs> sorry <laughs> no because it's got toilet roll yeah it's not yeah. it's yeah. not yeah, at least the dog won't be doing that butt drag thing. Mm. So, how did we get off onto this? Ads, Ra- I don't know. Racist commercials. That Oh yeah. yeah, this movie would have been two hours with commercials. And it had long stretches where it was dull. The, the reception part of it, like when, when you look on uh, Wikipedia, they always have like little quotes from the, the um, critics and whatnot. And um, one of the people said... Um, that this made-for-TV effort is fairly tame even for its time period. It's a little more than a pleasant 70-minute diversion. Well, it's 86 minutes. Um, and then someone else called it, like, shockingly boring. <laughs> did, did it have a prom scene at the end? It didn't. No, no. No. Um, you go through the whole movie thinking that Rita is a witch, and her mom's very concerned, seems kind of surprised. But then, spoilers, big reveal, mom is a witch, too, yeah. and then punishes Rita. And she's Lee Grant from Omen 2. Yes, yeah. Lee Grant. So, uh, the, the way that's described is, uh, the, at the very end, Marilyn comforts a sobbing Rita, telling her that it's all over. Yeah. So, they were, she was winging knives at her mom, so that was a carry moment. Uh-huh. She, uh, she winged a couple of them at her, and they stuck in the cupboards. But the mom You're didn't... You're grounded, Missy. No more magic for you. Yeah. Now, she wasn't so much a fat kid as she was a dull-looking kid. She just... Yeah. She's just dull-looking. And uh, and I think, um, either way, this probably wasn't a lot of fun for this young actor to be playing this role that maybe was what she was going through in school. Yeah. Because kids are horrible. You know how they all have, like, a zero-tolerance policy at all the schools now? Uh Uh-huh. I bet that doesn't work. (laughs) Probably not. I'm going to say 100% probably not. <laughs> it's just, it, kids are just awful. Kids are awful. They'll find a way. Uh-huh. They'll find some way to be shitty to each other. You know, like, if you look at what a what a supposed fat kid was back then versus today. Are the staff supposed to monitor social media 24 hours? To- yeah. Are they going to do that? Because they don't. You know, kids kids are cyberbullying yeah, each other. Yeah, that's where they're being driven to suicide. And yeah, that's just completely bananas. So um, this kid didn't do enough to get even at school, in my opinion. No, no. No, I think chemical burns, uh, maybe. And she should have killed her dad because he was an asshole. He was. <laughs> he was such a jerk to her. 
Who was the one that spontaneously combusted? That was the neighbor lady. What had uh, she done wrong? Uh, she had seen the PE teacher and Rita practicing an incantation. Uh, so she got burned up. That's what it was. She needed which, to shut her up. Yeah, which was probably the most effective scene in the movie as far as horror goes. Yeah. The and, other horror was the fact that their kitchen was so dark with all the dark wood and ferns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the double archway. And that the dad was uh, baffled that the uh, the younger daughter, Christina, was attempting to make a pizza at home. <laughs> pizza, he kept saying? Like, pizza? Like, they're making a pizza? Nobody can do that. No. Not at home. No. You got to go to a specialty parlor. Yeah, put a man on the moon, sure. Make a pizza at home, forget it. No. You just don't do it. He was an idiot. Yeah, he was pretty bad. I kept waiting for him to die. Yeah. They're, you know, they were all pretty bad. Helen Hunt was probably forgivable because she was only 13. Yeah, she was a kid. You know. But she was awful to her sister as well. So we had two adults who had magical powers. Yes. And they just both happened to be in her circle. Uh-huh. That was pretty interesting. I would have thought that the um, the gym teacher maybe could have done something to shut the mean girls up. And then you'd get the reveal later that it wasn't her that did it. It was the gym teacher that did it. Yeah. That would have been interesting. Yeah, it didn't feel like a twist you could have seen coming when it's revealed the gym teacher killed the popular girl or right. broke her neck. Yeah, there, there was probably not a lot of room for ambiguity there. No. Because I don't think the audience would necessarily have picked it up. Yeah. And, and I he, believe the witchcraft was uh, symbolism for lesbianism. Yeah. What, with the gym teacher and all? Yeah, meeting her. The mom revealed at the end, hey, I'm a lesbian too. Yeah, I'm one of those two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got to wonder because they're meeting off hours. You yeah. Know, away from school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, there could be something there. Capes need to come back, though. Yeah. Yeah, you know, this This was the darkest period in in uh, in the history of interior design and fashion. And I know you don't necessarily agree about nah. the fashion part of it. Yeah. 80s. 80s. Ugh. There was a great effort for things to, to break away from everything else and look new and crazy and different. But the 70s went through that long period of time where... Dark woods, dark brick. Avocado green, burnt orange. Yeah. Um, that was like everything was really just icky with, you know, uh, wicker caning on the furniture and uh, <laughs> all that crap. And then uh. I'm talking about the period in time where women were wearing like those weird Victorian collars and, and then sweater vests over these blousy shirts. It was horrible. Oh, they, they do that in uh, Horror at 37,000 Feet. <laughs> do they? Yeah, it's that whole combination. They've got the go-go boots, short skirt, the, the vest over the shirt thing. Yeah. Yeah, in The Evil, they had a, a professor. He's a new professor, but he wears big collars and his shirts unbutton the first three buttons, and you can see his chain and chest hair. Mm-hmm. It's so 70s. <laughs> oh, man, what were they thinking? But yeah, there there were some some really bad fashions, and uh, <clears throat> there were some cool things too. I mean, the pimps dressed really well. <laughs> you know that, yeah, like a lime green polyester suit with all the crazy Ooh, flares on man. it. Yeah, something like that's kind of big cool. collars need to come back. 
Yeah. Our collars won't allow us to take flight in a high wind. So yeah. it's a real problem. So all that being said, um, were you entertained by this? Mildly. Yeah. I can't really recommend this one except to watch to watch how it's not the things it's drawing from. Yeah. Um, even if it didn't draw from them, they, it drew from that general sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, people wanted more of that. Amityville horror, the possession, the haunting, the, um, what's the one, the entity. Yeah. People wanted more of this kind of thing and, but they wanted to be safe enough to have it on television. Yeah. So this is what you got, you know, and it would scare kids, but adults who were easily scared might get a little, a little uneasy by it, but for the most part, it's pretty tame. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't have, uh, the, the feeling I should get up and shut it off. No, and sadly, out of the three I watched, uh, three made-for-TV movies, this was probably the best of the bunch. Oh, wow. The other ones weren't so, even this good? The Peter Graves one was, it was dull, too. So and dull stretches. So none of us rewatched Satan's School for Girls for this thing? No, but there is a digital remaster on Prime. No kidding? Yeah. Oh, that's great. So uh, I recommend yeah. that people watch that one. Yeah. I also watched Good Against Evil. I mean, what's Which, that one like? Uh, is, it's actually a pilot. I don't know if it quite fits as a TV movie, but it was 90 minutes long and it didn't get picked up, so I'm play. counting it as a movie. They played it off yeah, as a movie. Yeah, it's in here. Um, basically, a girl is born. Her dad is probably Satan. <laughs> she grows up. <laughs> the cult is in the background helping her out getting her a good job, and then she runs into some guy named Andy, and they fall in love. Of course, the cult can't have that. Nope. We have rules. Basically, it's set up for a series where he would go from town to town trying to look for her because her mind is wiped clean at the end of the story. She no longer knows him, but he knows her. For some reason, they can't wipe his mind unless they wipe out their love first. Hmm. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, pretty bad. Pretty dull. Uh, he says Jessica about 400 times, in case you forgot the character's name. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's played by Richard Lynch. Yeah. Huh. And you've got Dan O'Hurley he in it. Um, and you've got uh, Kim Cattrall. Oh. Yeah, Kim Cattrall's in it. Yeah. And then you'll recognize Dak Rambo. Dak Rambo. He looks like satan or the antichrist or something you've seen him in other shows he always plays a bad guy that's good did not know his name but yeah the lead is the lead uh male part is really paper thin kind of annoying Mm. Uh, did did either one of you you say paper this book says uh he has the screen presence of tissue paper (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's exactly that's pretty pretty close. Yeah, must, must be accurate. He uh, at one point they go on a date. He just oh god, he just bothers her and bothers her and bothers her till she finally breaks down, and goes on a date, and then he tells her, "I live in a van. You want to come back and see some of my my art books?" And like yeah, in a van. And thankfully she goes with him. And then when he gets in the van, she shuts the doors, locks locking him in, and leaves. She's like <laughs> see you later. Because I thought. They're going to actually show her get into this creep's van, you know, after he's told her, yeah, I live in a van. Custom, I'm a van dweller. 
customized vans in the 70s. It's like, don't date a van dweller because you know he's just looking for a park, a space to park his van. Yeah, or, you know, a couch to sleep on. Or a place to live, yeah. Yeah. Did either one of you see that, um, it's called like, Look what's happening now with Rosemary's Baby or something oh, crap yeah. like that. What yeah, is that? One? I've not seen that one. <laughs> I haven't either. No. Whatever happened to Rosemary's Baby? There you oh. go. What's happening now? Yeah, I've not seen that one yet. Uh, good times with Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. What happened to Rosemary's Baby? <laughs> the reckoning. Yeah, it it's um, something that popped up when I was doing some research, and I was like, "That's weird. I don't think I've heard of that." It's yeah, like, it was such what such a weak movie that they felt like they needed to come come around and fix it up by doing a sequel. Uh huh. Made for TV sequel. Sure. Why wouldn't you do that? Turn yeah. Into a whole series. <clears throat> it's just like if you tried to make a a sequel to The Shining. Yeah. Does it have a woman with a hat? That's all. I oh need. man. That's yes. all I need. Yeah. If it's hats got, are scary. Yeah. If it's got lots of hats in it, I'm in. My cat used to be afraid if he saw someone wearing a hat. Now, here's a question. Um, in, in my research, I discovered that um, the made-for-TV format did really well in all of those decades, all the way through the 90s. Um, by 96, 1996, there were 264 made-for-TV movies um, from America's six largest TV networks. For a lot of those years, was just probably ABC Three, yeah. and NBC, and to a lesser degree CBS. <clears throat> but um, I got to say, that's a lot of movies. Yeah, it's a lot that they didn't have to buy from Hollywood and pay all those royalties. And um, it's just what Netflix does now. Yeah, so it's not really that different. But are any of the networks even doing this anymore? I have to wonder. Are there still networks? Well, this book says uh, <laughs> through the end of 1998, almost 600. Wow. Of the TV films were fantasy, science fiction or horror or superhero. Interesting. So that's from 64 to 98. Okay. 600 were just the genre. How interesting. Wow. Yeah, I guess um, different numbers depending on who who did this deep dive into it. But... um, I think, yeah, look what's happened to Rosemary's Baby, 1976. Ooh. Starring Patty Duke Austin. Really? Broderick Crawford. Whatever happened to Rosemary's Baby Jane? Yeah, the Patty Duke show happened. She, Um, She and her son Andrew flee the satanic coven, raising him, but Andrew's demonic side, Adrian, emerges at a bus stop and kills two kids tormenting him. Rosemary rushes onto the next bus, which drives away with no driver or passengers, leaving Andrew behind with floozy Margine. It's got a floozy in it? Yeah. Thirteen years later, Margine has joined the cult and runs a thriving casino. Adrian is about to turn 21, at which point he must affirm his evil side by taking a life or the cult will destroy him and turn and start over. Didn't he just kill... Didn't he already kill two kids? Yeah. <laughs> He's got to kill more? Sure. An aimless, confused mess. Uh, <laughs> put that on the box. Now we can't leave it on a downer note like that. Um, when I was in college, Patty Duke used to come in the, uh, the bistro where I worked. And so I have cooked for her several times. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, my favorite moment was when uh, the owner of the restaurant, which was called Catcher in the Rye, it's, <laughs> it's no longer there, but uh, it, was, it was a really small place. Um, 
the owner, uh, who usually did the main chefing, um, he was on a weekend trip to Portland, Oregon, and this was in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. And Patty Duke just lived a few blocks away. And I guess she told the, the waitress to go tell Don that dinner was just heavenly. <laughs> She's like, oh, well, Richard is cooking tonight, so oh. I'll tell him that. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that was lovely. Yeah. But um, yeah, she and um, John Travolta's sister Ellen were the two celebs that lived nearby. Um, not together, but separately. And uh, they, they'd come in pretty often. And we'd see them twice a week each, usually once or twice a week. And um, it was kind of surreal because I had seen them in a lot of things. Uh, it was just bizarre because Nick at Night was showing the Patty Duke show on a regular basis at the time. Yeah. And my college girlfriend was bananas about this show that she had previously not known about. Oh. So she was watching it in real time. Like, this is amazing. This is great. It's just, just so campy fun from, you know, and filmed in black and white and all this stuff. And then she was working in a different restaurant and Patty Duke came into that restaurant. Oh, cool. And she was just a little starstruck. (laughs) (laughs) So that was good times. But, um, yeah, made for TV movies. Um, it has evolved into uh, Netflix originals and uh, Amazon Prime originals. Yeah. And uh, so, do we still have it? Yeah. It doesn't matter if ABC and NBC are making it. So, do do you know if the BBC uh, they still do like their own properties, don't they? Mm-hmm. Like, um, like yeah, that Dracula. They, yeah, they do miniseries and yeah. things like that rather than movies. So it wouldn't be this this sort of lower tier quality it's mm. some higher quality like 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 your dracula yeah <laughs> your favorite new dracula my favorite new dracula <laughs> as i say it, i it have less impact on on the populace and and the genre because you know you you got so many channels now and so uh, less people to be watching the films you don't have a captive audience today. yeah and you, don't, and you don't have the casual viewer who's just going to watch the movie because it's on yeah yep because their head is pointed at the screen mm. yeah it's it's um i i guess sort of uh it's now frozen in amber for us in a way isn't it mm-hmm. yet yet still exists in a modern form yep so there's some really good ones to check out though. yeah yeah I, I i will highly recommend that people watch Trilogy of Terror. That's, yep. that's a favorite one. What were the disaster movie ones? We had a couple of them that were made for TV. I, I don't remember them made for TV. I know there were a lot of movies in the 70s that were disaster ones. There was that Bermuda Triangle one was a made for TV. Yeah, uh, there was a few Bermuda Triangle films. Yeah. Satan's was, Triangle. That's a good yeah, one. Yeah. It's like, ooh, someone already called it the Devil's uh, Triangle. We'll call it Satan's Triangle. Beyond the Bermuda Triangle. Yep. Uh, Bermuda Depths is my favorite of those. Whatever happened to the Devil's Triangle um, was another one. Yeah, there's a couple of like produ- <clears throat> uh, co-productions with the Japanese studios. So Bermuda Depths and uh, The Last Dinosaur, late 70s. Oh, co-production. yeah. I've seen The Last Dinosaur. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, and then the, you had Spielberg did a couple, so he did Duel, classic. Yeah, Duel's a great one. Uh, Something Evil, one of his early films. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think people could certainly do a lot worse than to watch some of these, some of these better ones. But then there's hundreds of bad ones. So, good luck sorting. Choose through them. wisely. Yeah, good luck sorting <laughs> through them. 
read people's lists and then choose what are supposedly good ones. Yeah. You know, just watch the ones we named. So uh, anything else before we get out of here? No, I think that's it. So do we want to do um, some Irish horror for next time? Okay. So, sure. Because we're, we're rolling right up on St. Patrick's Day. So, Jolien, what was the one you wanted to recommend? Uh, I, I don't know if it's a recommendation, but it's one I haven't seen since I was really little, called The Johnstown Monster. The Johnstown Monster. Yes. Okay. Um, but uh, you want to watch a leprechaun? Oh, movie? yeah, I'll watch a leprechaun. Let's watch a leprechaun. Like, um, Okay, we'll, e- we'll each force ourselves to watch a leprechaun movie. We could do that. I mean, yeah, if, let's if we, do that. Do we just want to call this an Irish horror episode and then there's one called the isolation that i know i think we need to watch all leprechauns you just want to do leprechauns different leprechauns all right are, are they all from the leprechaun series uh-huh you want to watch the one with coolio in it don't you uh, i don't have to watch that one okay Lepre- i watch leprechaun in space too i haven't seen that one or oh i don't know if they have that one i've just seen the first one of that. yeah yeah okay cool maybe it was leprechaun in the hood too it could have been. I mean, One of them got a sequel. But it's like a cycle. It, it badly needed a sequel. Yeah. So let's do um, let's do leprechauns. Yeah. And, uh, maybe mini we'll, leprechauns. Yeah. Maybe we'll get some uh, Irish themed drinks here. And, okay. And uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about maybe maybe the um, the folklore of Ireland and and their leprechauns and drink car bombs. Mm. We could do that. Why not? You know, a very appropriately named drink. <laughs> nothing wrong with that um and of course there are there are little um impish people in a lot of folklore from a lot of different places that maybe wouldn't have talked to each other like for example the minahuni in hawaii they um, have little people yeah they do they're they they build little structures and stuff um there were people who will tell you as though they're present and real in the real current day They'll say, oh, yeah, that, that wall that goes through that property, that was built by the Minahuni, so nobody touches that. Ah. Oh, really? Interesting. Their water company, you know how, how like, we've got uh, the, the different uh, five-gallon jugs of water for the water cooler? Yeah. Their, their main one in Hawaii is Minahuni. Oh. It's got the little guy carrying a jug of water over his shoulder. That's their logo. The founder of Denver, one of the founders of Denver, who was kind of scrubbed from the record for a long time, <laughs> Uh, because he was a drunk. And a racist? Uh, no, actually, he probably wasn't racist. <laughs> uh, stop certain mayors of Denver. But he <laughs> uh, he claimed that uh, he knew, he, he had seen the little people out in the, in the woods that the uh, the Indians saw. Oh, really? <clears throat> I don't remember what they were called. Yeah. But he was basically, because he was married to an Indian woman, or a couple, they used him to get property in Denver because... All the land belonged to Indians, right. and couldn't be bought or sold. Uh, but they used that as kind of a loophole. Oh. And uh, he also claimed to be of Scottish royalty. He was a big tall tale teller, con man, con man, yeah, <laughs> and a drunk. And uh, <laughs> but he wasn't racist. <laughs> he had a street named McGaw. His last name was McGaw. And they uh, around the turn of the century, nineteen uh, to the twentieth century. Uh, they decided that they didn't want a drunk as a town founder, so they kind of scrubbed his name from a lot of stuff until, I don't know, the 50s or 60s. Ah, revisionist history. Yeah. Hey, people find out that they've got siblings, you know, so people try and hide things and scrub things. Yeah. So, um, 
cool. Uh, we could we could talk a little more about uh, maybe little people that are found in other cultures. I know England has what brownies, yeah, fairies, and fairies and brownies. Yep, the fae, the fae. Yes, um, the, yeah. A lot of cultures have these things, and these are cultures that would not have met each other because of oh the distance of oceans and whatnot. Not that that would stop the Hawaiians yeah. because they came from Southeast Asia originally. Yeah. I mean, they were seafaring people, but I doubt they stopped by Ireland and said, Hey, you got any stories about little people? Yeah, because we, we need some of that in our new culture we're going to go start. I think it's because little people are creepy. <laughs> you mean actual little people are creepy? No, I mean like, like homunculi. Oh, okay. Like miniature, miniaturized humans. Yeah. Like evil dolls that come to life uh-huh. and chase you with spears and steak knives. Yeah. Yeah, cut their way out of suitcases and stab your ankles. Ooh. Yeah, that kind of shit. That's probably a good place for us to just shut up and get out of here. All right, let's get out of here. (laughs) Listeners, thank you for listening.